0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey book lovers, my name is M and I want to talk about books and cats. 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 So, welcome back, book lovers. I hope you had a good week of reading. I had a really good week of reading. I actually read two books this week instead of one. So, I am still killing my New Year's reading goal of reading at least a book a week. I also just recently saw something where they are putting Ursula K. Le Guin on a stamp, which I think is pretty cool. She is one of my favorite authors. I've already covered one of her books on here the Tombs of Atuan, which is from the Earthsea Cycle. Um, The Earthsea Cycle is this fantastic fantasy series that follows a wizard named Ged. Um, It must be really strange to be on a stamp. Like It's kind of a weird honor, but somehow it seems fitting for an author, especially for a sci-fi author. Anyway, I'll put a link to the article about it in the show notes. So this week, I'm going to mix it up a little, and I am covering nonfiction books. Um, More specifically, I am covering books about running. Um, Among other things, I am also a runner, and currently I am doing a run streak that I started during quarantine, and I am on day 299 today, Um, which I still can't believe. It is mind-blowing. Um, I've had a real rocky past with running, and the thing I have found that gets me motivated to get going again is reading books about running. Also watching YouTube videos about running, but let's talk about the books. So I've mentioned Murakami before and his book, What I Talk About When I Talk About Running. It is a love letter to running. Um, I just love his writing. It's so beautiful. He really embraces everything about running, the good and the bad, and just writes about it in such a a beautiful, loving way. You just want to go out and, and feel that when you're reading the book. Um, so I wanted to share a few quotes from that book. Um, I highly recommend it. Even if you don't uh, care for running, it is just a beautiful piece of literature. Um, so the first one is... I didn't start running because somebody asked me to become a runner, just like I didn't become a novelist because someone asked me to. One day, out of the blue, I wanted to write a novel. And one day, out of the blue, I started to run, simply because I wanted to. I've always done whatever I felt like doing in life. People may try to stop me and convince me I'm wrong, but I won't change. I absolutely love um, that kind of attitude toward life, and... It really is. It really is the attitude of a runner, and it's the attitude of a novelist. You have to kind of step out of out of bounds once in a while uh, to do either and take chances. So the next quote from his book is a short one, uh, but just being active every day makes it easier to hear that inner voice. Um, and I love that because it really is true. Um, usually, I come up with ideas for writing projects when I am running. Because if you're active, it is easier to hear your thoughts and to kind of sort things out, especially if you're doing like a longer run and you're out there for like an hour or so, you get lots of thinking done. And then one more, just because I love his writing and I love this book. I'm the kind of person who likes to be by himself. To put a finer point on it, I'm the type of person who doesn't find it painful to be alone. I find spending an hour or two every day running alone, not speaking to anyone, as well as four or five hours alone at my desk, to be neither difficult nor boring. I've had this tendency ever since I was young, when, given a choice, I much preferred reading books on my own, or concentrating on listening to music over being with someone else. I could always think of things to do by myself. And again, that completely fits in with the runner and writer lifestyle. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I am a bit of an introvert. I do enjoy people, but I definitely need my quiet time every day to just kind of recharge and and get my mind straight. And luckily, you can combine it with running. Um, My running streak has been really great for that because now I'm getting out there every single day. Um, So this book, my sister got for me when I was training for my first marathon, my first and only, but that's a different story. Um, And I just, I loved it, as I've said a million times. When I fell off the wagon with running and was trying to get back to it, I reread this book, and it kind of lit that spark for me again. Like, it reminded me how much I love running. So another great nonfiction book about running is Born to Run by Christopher McDougall. Um, It inspired me to try trail running. It took a long time to get from reading the book to actually trying trail running, but uh, the book was definitely the thing that lit that spark. And that is just a really um, fascinating story of a pretty much unknown civilization of people. So even if you're not really into running, that it's a very interesting book. So those two books were from an earlier phase of my life when I was insecure, not so healthy, um, determined to prove something. Um, At the time, I could somewhat relate to it. I was running but i didn't feel the love that these writers seem to feel um like i i could somewhat relate but i really couldn't imagine running with the consistency of murakami or as extremely as uh, born to run so they kind of got me going but it wasn't the inspiration i needed to to find a healthy habit and to keep going um and so that is where I get to the main book of this episode, which is something a little different than the first two I talked about. This book gave me hope when I was in a really dark place. Um, I liked the idea that a bigger woman could still be an athlete, and it was it was a shocking thing to read and also something that I, I wanted to hear so badly at that point because I had lost almost 100 pounds, and then I got sick and I couldn't really walk or uh, exercise that well, and I put almost all of it back on, and I couldn't really do a lot of the things that I used to do um, that also made me feel good, you know, like uh, hiking and running and that type of stuff. So I had put on a lot of weight, and I didn't feel like an athlete anymore, and this book kind of showed me that I could be there again and that I didn't necessarily... Need to starve myself down to nothing before I could be there. Um, so the book is called A Beautiful Work in Progress by Myrna Valerio. I want to read the blurb on the back of the book because this will give you a good idea of what it's about. So here it is. Runner's vocabulary is full of acronyms like DNS for did not start and DNF for did not finish. But when Myrna Valerio stepped up to the starting line, She needed a new one, DNQ for did not quit. Valerio has tied on her running shoes all across the country, from the dusty backroads of central New Jersey to the busy Route 222 corridor in Pennsylvania to the sweltering deserts of Arizona. When you meet her on the trail, you might be surprised to see she doesn't quite fit the typical image of a long-distance runner. She's neither skinny nor white, and she's here to show just how misguided these stereotypes can be. In this prejudice busting body positive memoir told with raw honesty, an adventurous spirit, and a sharp sense of humor, Valerio takes readers along on her journey from first time racer to ultra marathoner and proves that anyone can become a successful athlete so that pretty much covers it um If you are looking for motivation to become a runner, and especially if, like me, you're kind of interested in ultra marathons, um read this book it will completely inspire you. It covered one ultra that went through a desert at night, and while it seemed like it was probably terrifying, it also sparked something in me, Um, and I've kind of started to consider what it would entail to take on that kind of challenge. The seed has been planted, anyway. It's going to take a while to get there. Um, This woman is such a role model, and I have to admit, uh, I found out that she moved to Vermont a while ago, and I kind of fangirled a little bit which is super embarrassing for a grown-up, almost 40-year-old woman. (laughs) Um, But it's cool. And now I follow her on Instagram, and her pictures are, you know, pictures of her in Vermont, and that's kind of neat. If you don't know, Vermont is a super small state, and so if you live here, pretty much the whole state feels like home, and you probably know someone in most of the areas. Um, So anyway, did I mention that February is my birth month? Uh, I'm turning 40. So, starting this Sunday, I am going to offer a new mini-sode series called Storytime with M. Um, I'm going to be sharing my newest book, Feelers, one or two chapters at a time um, every Sunday. So, be sure to check those out. Um, again, that is starting this Sunday, February 7th. So, now I'm going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I am talking about cat zoomies. Be right back. <laughs> Hey, book lovers. Do you want to read more books while also learning a new language? Prismatext has just what you need. Prismatext books are a brand new way of studying a foreign language. Rather than using flashcards or apps, learners can simply pick up an ebook and start reading. Currently, Prismatext books are available in English as a first language, and they target languages including Spanish, French, Italian, German, and Portuguese. Right now, I am engrossed in Wuthering Heights, one of my favorite classics with German words mixed right in. Please follow the link in the show notes to help support the podcast. I really, really appreciate it. And if you use code books and cats, you can get 30% off your order. That's all caps books, the letter N, cats. Start learning today while enjoying your favorite classics with Prismatext. Welcome back, book lovers. So, what are cat zoomies? I started to think about this one day because my cats have a habit of tearing around the house at 3 a.m. and then again at 6 a.m. So if you have cats, you know exactly what cat zoomies are. Um, all of a sudden your cat is tearing around the house like their tail's on fire and you have no idea why. A second ago they were sleeping, now they're sprinting around and it sounds like the entire house is crashing down. At least it does here. Um, I have three young, very rambunctious cats, and I have an older cat who has decided he is also a kitten and likes to play, too, sometimes, and things get a little crazy. <laughs> so I decided to look up to see if there were any articles about cat zoomies, and I did find one, Um and it listed some causes for cat zoomies. The first one is sleeping habits. So after they have taken a long nap, they need to get up and get moving, and it helps the brain and the body kind of restart and get going again, um, which explains why they'll do it immediately after a nap. Another reason could be hunting instincts, because cats are innately hunters and predators. They have instincts that don't fade uh, just because they have their food provided to them. So they actually will sometimes chase imaginary prey. My cats do this all the time sassers attacks the same corner of my mom cave um all the time (laughs) there's nothing there and she makes the cutest little chattering sounds when she does it it's hilarious there's also one corner of our living room that i like to say has a ghost in it because the cats will just randomly stare at it for a long time but there's never anything there they just stare at it it's weird um another possible reason for cat zoomies could be bathroom issues It could be just a victory lap after a bowel movement and they're feeling good, or uh, they tend to do it especially if the bowel movements are uncomfortable. Cat zoomies are normally fine, but if you notice excessive zooming, keep an eye out for any other unusual behaviors that may signal that something's wrong, um, like weight loss, changes in like litter box usage, or unusual sounds. um, Any of those things, and you should probably bring your cat to the vet. But if they're otherwise healthy and they're just zooming around, you should try to take uh, the time and play with them, because cats enjoy play in small bursts, and they want to hang out with you. Um, one of my favorite things to start the morning is watching my kids and my cats play. The cats are always zooming around and being crazy, and then my kids get up to get ready for school, and my daughter breaks out the cat toy, and then all the cats are there, and it's just... A really funny, uplifting way to start the day. Everybody's in a good mood when they leave the house. The cats are tired. Everybody's happy. So that's what cat zoomies are. They're one of my favorite things. I love watching my cats run around. It's fantastic. Do you have any funny cat zoomie stories? Uh, my cats, I have, my youngest cat sassers is not like the smartest cat. So sometimes when she's zooming around the house, she'll jump up onto the windowsill and she's fine. And then sometimes it's like she forgets to jump and she just runs face first into the wall. She hasn't done it very often, but bizarre. (laughs) Anyway, now it's time for the quote of the week. And for this week, I want to read a passage from a beautiful work in progress because I just love this book. Know that you will have low points on your journey. You might hallucinate. You might literally run into a cactus. You might suffer from an injury. Life will happen. In fact, you will have really low points in which you will ask yourself, why am I doing this? Or you'll say to yourself, I'm not seeing any results. You'll wonder why you even bother. You might even doubt your sanity. You will come upon both major and minor obstacles and hurdles on your course. But as I have learned countless times from being on the pavement or on the trail, for hours and hours at a time, you have no choice but to overcome the hurdles or modify your course. But you must keep moving forward, There is no turning back on your health, on yourself. Let's continue giving ourselves and others the gift of health and wellness. And ultimately, and I think most importantly, it is my belief that everyone who is able should pursue exercise in an athletic way because of all that I've mentioned up to now and also because that's what human bodies are designed for, movement, pure and simple. And I think that that quote can be extrapolated to a lot of things in life, not just running. Um, I love her writing. I love this book. You should definitely check it out. So now we have come to the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening. Um, again, if you haven't had a chance to review the podcast, uh, leave me a rating. It really helps uh, get it seen by more people. And also remember, if you stick around after the music, you can hear chapter six of Heart of the Storm, my weekly writing project. So again, thank you so much for listening, and until next time, keep reading. Book lovers, welcome back. Uh, It is time for Chapter 6 of Heart of the Storm. Um, Again, this is my weekly writing project. I am trying to write a chapter a week of this book, and I will share it with you. Um, Slightly edited, but not really edited, so pretty rough. So quick recap. At the end of Chapter 5, Harper was fleeing from Kevo's mother, and she runs out into the street and doesn't know where to go, And Lottie pulls her through a portal and into the store. And now, chapter six. Lottie lived in a small apartment above the store. She steered Harper up a set of worn wooden stairs and pushed open a battered white door. Chips of paint flaked away with the force of her hip. Harper stepped into an oasis. The room was decorated in pale greens and blues, and every piece of furniture was overstuffed and worn soft from years of use. Lottie turned on a lamp and flooded the room with a gentle, pale light. She motioned to a sagging blue velvet sofa. Go on, you can rest. You're safe here. What kind of magic was that? Harper had always known she possessed magical abilities. Her foster parents had been practical witches. They baked bread and grew their own vegetables. They harvested the herbs they used in their simple spells from a windowsill in the kitchen. They had been honest with Harper, but they knew very little. Magic was something different to them. The kind of power she possessed frightened them, yet still they had tried to protect her. She understood that now. Lottie sighed and hooked her thumbs through her overalls. She frowned and looked like she was thinking hard. Well, she said, that's an interesting question. My kind of magic is a particular one. Not many are left who know it, and none anywhere near the valley. She leaned against the wall. Her eyes were dark and stared at a point somewhere beyond the wall behind Harper. She stared in silence for an uncomfortable amount of time. Harper watched her with growing unease. This strange woman had appeared twice now, both times saving Harper's life in the process. Or had she? Harper knew nothing about her. She knew nothing about the woman in the muscle house. Maybe she should have trusted Kevo's mom. She had known her mother after all. Harper had never had that privilege. In her mind, she could see her, but only as a silvery shadow of blues and purples that shifted and flowed through her form. She hovered a foot off the floor, and she was always reaching for Harper. No matter how hard she tried, Harper could never reach her. She always woke up. She snapped her fingers impatiently in front of the woman's vacant stare. She came back slowly, and when she focused on Harper, a slow, dazed smile crossed her face. Hello, dear. Sorry about that. I checked out for a moment. She laughed a little, but Harper saw the flash of fear in her eyes. Harper was done. Give me a straight answer, she said coolly. Her voice was calm, but her face expressed her rage quite plainly. Lottie looked nervous. Her earrings swung with the tremor of her body. Ask your question, she said after a moment. Harper's brain scrambled for the words. She had so many questions, almost 18 years of questions. She had no idea where to begin. Tears of frustration filled her eyes, and she turned away. Lottie reached out tentatively and stroked the younger woman's hair. The girl collapsed into her, and Lottie held her close while she cried. Gemma woke up to the same blinding overhead lights. She tried to look around, but thick leather straps held her firmly in place. Panic bloomed inside her. She strained against the straps, tried to loosen them just a bit, but they were unrelenting. The fogginess was clearing, and pain crackled in her head like electricity. She screamed and jerked her head side to side, which made the pain so much worse. As her consciousness started to slip away, she heard a sound and turned her head, sending another shockwave through her brain. She saw him approaching as the darkness closed in. The man moved Gemma's head back into place and adjusted the pillow under her. He gently stroked her hair back from her face and traced a gloved finger across her cheek. He moved his fingers through her hair and found the shaved patch on top. The skin was hot to the touch. Thin, dark blue streaks stemmed from the small incision in the center and branched out, intertwining and spreading toward the surrounding hair. A small smile adorned his usually placid features. This was the part he enjoyed. He worked with swift precision. The movements were practiced and automatic. Gemma was not his first. Not even close. The paste was complete. The deep indigo glistened on the tip of the blade. He pricked her skin carefully, hesitating only to consider the design. This was his art. His canvas would walk the world for all to see. Gemma groaned, and he waited. The tiny streaks were already appearing around the wounds this was going to be his most beautiful work yet. The man paused with the knife poised above her navel. He could keep this one. No one would know. The man shook his head and returned to his work. Of course she would know, and she would never allow it. Maybe the next one would be even better. This one was close to perfection, but he would let her go. He would continue to work and continue to live. Lottie was sitting at the small table, moving her head in slow circles. First, one way, then the other. Harper watched her with growing annoyance. Harper was not a crier. She was embarrassed that she allowed this strange woman to see her cry, that she allowed herself to be held and comforted. She drummed her fingers impatiently on the table, but Lottie did not acknowledge her. She jumped up in frustration and looked around for a way to vent her anger. Everything in the room was too soft, too gentle. Harper threw her hands up in frustration and turned back to her silent host. She leaned on the table and stared at Lottie's peaceful face. Stop doing that! Harper slapped the table, and Lottie's eyes opened slowly. Her smile widened, and she blinked a few times and looked around. Oh, good. Still here. Harper made a frustrated noise in the back of her throat. Lottie just smiled and reached her arms overhead. She unfolded her legs and stood, stretching her back and grimacing. Have you decided what you need yet? Harper threw her head back and screamed her frustration to the ceiling. I need you to be honest with me. I need to know what's going on. The younger woman flopped back down into her chair and crossed her arms defiantly, staring at Lottie through a tangled curtain of hair. Lottie moved around the table and crossed the room. She stood by the window for a moment and pressed her forehead to the glass. A low hum shook the building, and Harper gasped as she watched Lottie's face fade into the glass. The hum grew in severity, and the dishes rattled on the shelves. A clock fell to the floor with a crash that made Harper yelp in surprise. There was a loud, sudden popping sound, and Lottie stepped back from the window. She was no longer smiling. Her expression was troubled, and when she met Harper's eye, the young girl recoiled at the darkness she saw there. She'd seen the same darkness earlier, in the eyes of Kevo's mother. Lottie unwound her braid and shook her hair free. It tumbled around her face in a shimmering white wave. She combed her fingers through it absently. When she spoke, she sounded like someone trying to recall a dream. "'It is as I feared,' she said. Her words chilled Harper like a sudden arctic breeze. Darkness has returned to the valley. Her eyes were deep, black pits. Doom has come. She closed her eyes and dropped to her knees— She fell forward, smashing her face on the floor with a sickening thud. Harper made a strangled sound in her throat and ran to Lottie's immobile form. She rolled the older woman over and pulled back at the sight of the blood that oozed from a cut on her forehead. Lottie's eyelids fluttered, and she made a small whimpering sound. Relief flooded through Harper. At least she was still alive. There was a deafening crash of thunder. The room was plunged into darkness, and Harper screamed again. Her cheeks burned with shame at her unbidden weakness, but luckily, no one was around to see. A bright bolt of lightning struck nearby, illuminating the room for a brief moment. Harper saw Lottie lying still on the floor where she'd fallen. But kneeling on her other side, and grinning at Harper with an overly bright smile, was a stranger in a hooded cloak. In the following darkness, Harper jumped to her feet. Thunder roared and shook the shabby apartment. Harper dashed across the small room and grabbed a knife from the table, In the darkness, she heard the stranger begin to laugh. And that is the end of chapter six, Book Lovers. I hope you're enjoying Heart of the Storm. Um, And if you have any book recommendations or funny cat stories, be sure to send them to me either on Instagram, books.cats.pod, or you can send them to books.cats.pod at gmail. Again, thank you so much for listening, and until next time, keep reading.